When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Palmer Bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmer Bet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1800 858 858. Behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you all. Uh, pretty dark and desolate sort of uh, Hawke's Bay uh, weather-wise uh, with a big weekend of uh, racing uh, ahead of us. Uh, so not good news there, but uh, around the country, I hope uh, it's looking just a little bit brighter for you. Uh, we'll try and make the show a bright one for you. It is uh, Campbell Burns straight uh, after a, a quick sermon. Uh, Campbell, of course, is the rugby news editor. Uh, we'll talk to him about uh, the NPC semi-finals coming up uh, this weekend. And, of course, um, the Women's Rugby World Cup, because uh, Rugby News has been uh, featuring it quite heavily. Um, around about 9.30, just after, we'll be talking to Michael Glading. Now, Michael, of course, has uh, been on the show before. He is the New Zealand Golf Open Tournament Director. Some good news coming through for them in terms of who's going to be playing. And a big Kiwi name has uh, signed up to play, so it's great news. Uh, we'll have a panel with Mark Watson and uh, James Regan at 10.20. I will have a horse and a dog for you in terms of our pacing and greyhounds for the future, for purpose, uh, and uh, for charity as well. Uh, and also Greg Murphy. Big, uh, Greg Murphy, eh? Uh, Bathurst done and dusted. We lived uh, so much of the build-up with it. What about the aftermath? So Murphy will be with us just after 11 o'clock. And we'll open up the lines too uh, just after 10 o'clock uh, for your opinions on uh, any issues that you like. Uh, but in particular, you could uh, give us your NPC picks. Your reaction to uh, the theft uh, off from the Mad Butcher, which I think is absolutely disgusting. Um, the fact that Danny Hay will no longer be the All-Whites uh, football coach. Uh, there's uh, plenty of issues. The Women's Rugby World Cup that you can talk about, and of course the Kiwis in action uh, in the Rugby World Cup, uh, Rugby League World Cup starting in the UK very shortly as well. So plenty to talk about there. And a stump smithy, uh, and that will happen uh, just before... Um, just before... 11.30, we'll, uh, we'll get your calls for that. So, uh, yep, pretty busy. Sport pretty busy. is our religion. And here is Smithy's sermon. It won't happen in the T20 World Cup, but I quite like the one, two, three, four punch at the top of the order for the Black Caps. That would mean Guptill at three, Phillips at four, and if required, Kane Williamson at five. Conway and Allen seems the way to go. There's a nice freedom there, a licence, and I'd extend that licence to Martin Guptill under orders to go big and go quickly. Upwards uh, to 9 to 10 and over will be par in Australia. Phenomenally good batting pitches. Forget Cairns and Townsville, they were anomalies. So there will be no room for slow starts or building patches. It will be full on. And I need Guptill's presence in the park as well. He's still the best ground and catching fielder in the ranks. He scores 30 to 40 quickly and saves 10 in the field. That's a pretty solid contribution. He is always a run-out threat with ball in hand. 
We always feel safe when Williamson is in the lineup. You know the old steady the ship theme? Uh, safe won't win the World Cup, though. Bold and brilliant, Will. Is Kane in that form at the moment? Is his game where it needs to be at this point, so close to game one at the SCG? Not from what I'm seeing. It would be a hell of a call, and of course it won't happen. It's just one man's theory. And roll on the weekend. I need some more Rugby World Cup action. France and England butting heads. Portia Woodman, another hat-trick this time out west. There's only so many Ruby Tui articles, surely. Ruby's getting more headlines than the PM, certainly more favourable ones. And I'm not actually sure if we can say uh, pin-up girl anymore, politically correct or not, but that uh, is what she is. The face of the World Cup, the story of the World Cup, and the aforementioned French and English sides will be noticing, and that might not be a good thing. She with the last laugh, as they say. Just four teams remaining in the NPC semi-finals uh, over the weekend. It's uh, coming up with the conferences now, crossing over and entering some of uh, a relative unknown, actually. Wellington and Auckland haven't played each other this season, neither of Canterbury and Bay of Plenty. But uh, both promise to be thrilling encounters. Uh, joining us now is a rugby news editor, Campbell Burns. Campbell, good morning to you. Thanks for your time. Very good morning to you, Ian. Look, uh, Campbell, it's been, uh, if I look back to the last round of the round robin where every game mattered, uh, then we look at uh, the first round of the playoffs, uh, unbelievably close games. It's, it's been an incredibly even competition for the most part. It certainly has, yeah. Um, look, it's been, um, it, it's actually been fun to watch because although we previously had the Premiership and the Championship, um, I think. It was generally acknowledged that the the bottom sides of the championship uh, wouldn't be able to compete, but we've seen Northland, um, the Tanifa this year, just exceed all expectations. Reach the they reach the quarters, but not only that, push Canterbury hard in Christchurch in the quarter final, which uh, you wouldn't have foreseen that back in um, back in August. So, and look, great to have four very close quarter finals. So that just shows you the parity of the uh, of the NPC, which is pleasing. Well, Wellington are favourites uh, to beat Auckland. Of course, they're hosting them. Um, Wellington have had an incredibly good run uh, of late, and uh, it started uh, the season didn't start that well for them. So, what do you feel has been the secret? What what have they stumbled onto? Yeah, well, it's an interesting thing with Wellington. They've finally found that consistency that um, uh, that that's, that's been a problem for them the last few seasons because they've they've peeled off eight wins in a row, and they've done it off the back of. In fact, they've got some very good players in form. Uh, they've got a, a bench full of impact. Uh, they've got the best hooker in the competition, Asafo Elmore. Uh, they've got a workman-like uh, Ford pack. They've got the best rookie in the comp, uh, Peter Lakai, the number eight, who's just been signed by the Hurricanes for the next three years. Um, and then they've got a choice at halfback between two very good players, TJ Perinara, Richard Judd, um, and then looking out wide, they've got X Factor, which they can't that they can't even fit in. Uh, Toward the, uh, to all those uh, outside numbers there. So they've got guys coming off the bench like Connell Garden-Bashop, who's a very good footballer in his own right. Um, he's had to be content with, what, the number 22 or 23 jersey uh, of late. Uh, Nehi Milner-Scudder um, is struggling to even get in the 23. So um, they've got players in form, and I think they've, um, they seem to have found a, a happy balance between what the pack's doing and the guys like uh, Xavier Numea and 
James Blackwell, um, Dominic Bird, these sort of players, they, they, they win their ball at line-out and uh, the backs have used it well. So, you know, consistency um, has paid off for, for Wellington. Right, let's uh, look at uh, what Auckland uh, threatened them with this weekend. Uh, Auckland's loose forward trio has been named with Blake Gibson at six, Nico Jones at seven, Jackson Pugh at eight. Uh, I think that's a key, bat- a key battle because you mentioned Peter Larkai, who's had a, a real breakout season. Uh, you've got your Duplessis Cariffi, who never really plays a poor game. So uh, Wellington, uh, that loose forward battle, I think, is, is crucial to this match. It certainly is. Um, Blake Gibson, I mean, he's been used at six most of the season. Um, it's a loss with the injury to Adrian Choate. Uh, but Nico Jones has come back from, a, from quite a bad head knock a few weeks ago and, and a red card as well. Um, so that's an interesting um, battle here. Jackson Pugh has played quite well most of the season. Um, uh, he's, he's originally from Australia, um, and he, you know, he he wins ball and has has got a high work rate. So that yeah that that that, that loose uh, loose battle will certainly be uh, be interesting. But I think possibly uh, in terms of form, uh, you'd have to think the Lions would have the edge there. In terms of uh, All Black availability this weekend, uh, what are we looking at for these crucial games? Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> look, I'd like to see Dane Coles play for Wellington. He he is desperately short of game time. Uh, I don't think that is the case. I haven't seen the Wellington side named yet, but uh, Coles is a player. He's had one game off the bench for Wellington and only three games um, off the bench for the All Blacks since July. So he's someone who should be playing in this game. Um, Akiri Iwani played last week. I'd like to see him have another run, uh, but he's obviously not involved. Roger Tuivasa-Shek uh, should be suiting up at 12 for, uh, for Auckland. Instead, they've gone for the Simon Hickey-Harry uh, Plummer combination at 10-12, and I'm not sure how effective that really is. I think Plummer's better at 10, um, and I think Tuivasa-Shek desperately needs another match, and I think I think he should have been made available for Auckland. So some of these fringe All Blacks uh, should really be featuring, but it sounds as though they won't be. No, I, I think it's a great shame, actually, uh, to be perfectly honest. I mean, you've just got to be playing. Some of these guys just simply have to be playing rugby, uh, one of whom uh, is the All Black uh, 15 captain and Patrick Torpolotu. Um, it's been hard to gauge him uh, this year, pa- uh, Patrick. Yeah, well, he's, um, he only came back last week. Uh, he started last week, but um, he's had a long layoff with, a, I think, a neck injury, uh, which has prevented him playing for the All Blacks. So he's, he's obviously going to um, play tomorrow night uh, for Auckland. He captains the All Blacks 15, which is fair enough. But, um, yeah, he's, he's just been ruled out with injury. So... Again, he's the guy who needs to um, needs to find his feet and get some some match fitness there. Because I mean, where does he rate in the All Blacks pecking order now? Is is he the fourth or the fifth best lock? Um, be interesting to see. But uh, there's plenty to play for for Patrick. Okay, uh, the other game, of course, is uh, Saturday at uh, seven o five p.m. and uh, Canterbury, of course, have earned the right to host that one against uh, Bay of Plenty. Incidentally, the odds for that Canterbury are hot at a dollar thirty. They have plenty. Three dollars forty. The draw is uh, twenty-one bucks after eighty minutes. Um, it's been a good season. Uh, first up for Marty uh, for Marty Burke, and here he finds himself coaching against his uh, old stomping ground. Yeah, that's interesting. He's done very well with Canterbury too. He's uh, taken over a side that, that's been a bit inconsistent in recent years, but they've, they've uh, gone on an eight-match win streak. Canterbury. Uh, they had to work. They've had to work hard the last couple of weeks. They haven't really hit their straps, but. They're playing enough good football, and they've got this really compelling mix um, of, of young and old players that they've uh, they've got there. I mean, Luke Romano and uh, Owen Franks in your in your forward pack, uh, and still playing well. And so that means 
the likes of Dom Gardner and um, Ollie Jaeger and uh, Finlay Brewis must be learning, uh, you know, heaps off these guys, you know, as they do at the Crusaders, uh, um, as well, certainly in the case of Romano previously. But the, uh, oh, look, I mean, Canterbury, they've just got, <laughs> again, X Factor. They've got some very good players. They've got an ex back in George Bridge who wants to go to, to leave his New Zealand career on a high um, uh, with a championship they haven't had in five years. So Canterbury very much deserve it of uh, hot favourite status and uh, pretty hard to see if they get their game going that the Steamers will beat them. Yeah, interesting though, uh, Campbell, because uh, I would have thought they'd uh, account quite uh, easily last week for Northland, to be perfectly honest, um, but they didn't. They, they really did battle. They had to work uh, the 80-plus minutes uh, to get the job done there. And I, 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 I think you're right off by a plenty at your, at your peril. They're just such a good side, and uh, their playmaker, Caleb Trask, is uh, having a, an outstanding season and uh, seriously unlucky not to be uh, in that All Black 15, I believe. Yeah, that's right. I think he's possibly suffering uh, in that sense uh, because he's heading heading offshore to Japan. Uh, so that may be one of the reasons he's not involved there. But certainly a good footballer, can play 10 or 15 equally well. He's a Damien McKenzie type uh, type player or Stephen Perifetta, if you like. Um, but, you know, he's he's got some X Factor outside him as well. I mean, Leroy Carter's come back from the sevens and slotted onto the right wing. Uh, there's not much to him, but, gee, he certainly gives it a, gives it a nudge. Um, and then there's there's Imoni Narawa, uh, often on the right wing or fullback, real X factor. Um, so they've got pace out wide, but their forward pack is where it where it starts for the steamers because Kurt Eklund um, is one of the better hookers around, and I was very surprised he didn't make that All Blacks 15. Uh, two very good locks in Manaki Selby Rickett and uh, Justin Sangster. Um, so mm. they've got you know there's um, there's a very good base uh, from Bay Plenty to work on, and and their coach. Mike Delaney, first-year coach and attacking-minded footballer, has sort of brought that same philosophy uh, to this team. Just uh, getting back to Canterbury, um, eight Cantabrians in that all-black 15, uh, Campbell, eight out of 16 forwards, um, all Cantabrians, which, uh, and and uh, as you say, a couple of old-timers that uh, aren't even in the mix. That is, uh, that is a... Uh, I mean, this is just a production line that you, you cannot deny, and every year it happens. Yeah, that's right. And uh, one of the latest of the production line is, uh, is Dom Gardner out of uh, out of St. Bede there. He's made the All Blacks 15. I mean, you know, he's a big strapping lad, can play six or five. Um, he's taken his chance uh, really well. But in that loose forward tree, I mean, if you, <laughs> you've got Billy Harmon, uh, you've got Tom Christie, Corey Callow, and... I mean, uh, Red Princeps hardly featured through injury, but that's, uh, I mean, you, you'd command the loose ball with those three there at, at any stage, really. And then in the forwards, I mean, you've got Owen Franks, Ollie Yeager, Tamiti Williams and Finlay Brewis. Uh, so you've got depth there. You can bring on you can bring on um, Super Rugby and international experience. And then you've got Brodie McAllister, who will be on the end of line-out drives to, to score tries, and George Bell, uh, who's the young comer, who's also made this mm. All Blacks 15, the NZ under 20s captain. So uh, depth, depth to die for uh, with this Canterbury pack. One of the good stories too for Canterbury is uh, Tamaiti Williams, who uh, was a beast of a man, but uh, he's changed his regime a wee bit. Yeah, well, look, uh, <laughs> I mean, he was seen as, a, as an impact uh, player, you know, wearing that uh, that number 17 or 18 jersey, but. He started at said prop in the last four games. Um, he's still a he's still a beast of a man, um, and must give opposing tight heads a hell of a time because he he can play both sides. Uh, not many 
not many can these days. Uh, I think off of Tonga Fassi and one or two others around the country. But, you know, he's a guy, I mean, he's, he's got the size. Uh, he seems to be performing a lot more consistently now. Uh, he's benefiting from the work that Jason Ryan and others put in at the Crusaders early on. And uh, he's, he's definitely um, one on the rise. Uh, Campbell, so for you, uh, obviously Canterbury and who in the final? Well, uh, Wellington's certainly the favourites. It wouldn't surprise me if Auckland actually got up, but uh, I would have to think that um, Canterbury-Wellington final uh, in, in Christchurch. And, I mean, gee, that was... Um, we haven't seen that uh, in a while, I don't think. But Wellington have always uh, have often choked at NPC level, so here's their big chance. If they put it together, they, they could well be in the final and uh, taking on the taking on the, 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 uh, the big guns. Right, let's uh, just change sack a wee bit and go to uh, the uh, very important uh, occasion, which is uh, on Sunday afternoon, and that is the Black Ferns against Wales. Now, um, because uh, you guys at Rugby News, you guys and girls, have uh, actually uh, been running a comprehensive guide of the Rugby World Cup, which has been great. Um, what have you got in the issue coming up? Yeah, well, so actually the, um, the Women's Rugby World Cup guide is on, um, is on sale now, so... Um that went to print a few weeks ago, but we've got all the info, uh, all the teams. Uh, we do look uh, closely at Wales and um, and the Black Ferns amongst amongst all the twelve teams, actually. Um, so yeah, we've got um, you know we've got exclusive interviews with Renee Holmes and Wayne Wayne Smith uh, uh, amongst others in that. So all, all the info's in there, and uh, yeah, I, I will be watching with interest at Waitakere Stadium at three fifteen on Sunday because I think the Black Ferns uh, will be certainly good enough for. To, to beat Wales by by 40 or 50, but there's a couple of other uh, interesting games in, the couple, in uh, two of the other pools, um, which might be worth uh, noting, notably uh, France versus England and Italy versus Canada. So two potentially much closer games uh, in, in the um, in the Women's Rugby World Cup this weekend. We're starting to find out a, a wee bit more about uh, some of these black ferns because of the press the likes of yourself and others are, are starting to give them around this World Cup. Um, Ruby Tui seems to be capturing uh, all the headlines uh, around the country for her performances on the park, but she's got this engaging personality that uh, people just want to be part of. Yeah, that's right. Well, one of the interesting things with Ruby, she had she's released a book, of course, and she's done a lot of media um, lately, and um, you sort of wondered whether, you know, uh, would, would she be able to focus in on the task at hand? And of course, last week uh, she showed that there's uh, there is substance to her style because she was the best player on the field. Uh, I think apart from one dusty pass, I mean, she scored two tries. Her work rate's huge, um, you know. And, th- and this is a player who is absolutely, um, you know, walking the walk uh, as, as well as talking the talk. So, you know, she's she jumped in there. Um, I, I would have thought Aisha Letiinga was the best the best winger uh, from earlier in the season. But Portia Woodman's come back. She scored 10 tries in two games. And Ruby Tui uh, looks as though she's making that um, that uh, right wing position her own as well. So the Black Ferns have got some strike power out wide and uh, Ruby's very much in the centre of that. And that, of course, even now, uh, looking forward to those uh, crucial playoff games is uh, going to depend on... Uh, how well they do up front against the better opposition, uh, Campbell. We're still sort of asking our questions about that. But well, I think, as you say, this weekend we'll, we'll get a, a much better gauge on the strength up front of both England and France. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, Wales have been uh, have gone full-time as well with their players, so they'll be starting to see the effects of that. I mean, they 
they struggled to beat Scotland. Uh, they had to uh, have a last-minute penalty goal to win that last week. But Wales are uh, certainly uh, um, would be one of the favourites to reach the quarterfinals at least. So, but I, I think in their fourth pack, it'll be um, probably more of a test than that type five, um, akin to what England and France may be, may bring. So, yeah, I mean the, the Black Ferns. We haven't seen their team yet, but uh, they will get they will get tested there. Um, and uh, which is which is a good thing. So so I think this this is, could potentially be the um, the strongest uh, opposition they face in the pool. Um, although of course they had to they, they were behind against Australia 17 0 before uh, putting up 41 unanswered points. So um, it'll be a good test um, against Wales. They should they should win comfortably. But yeah, certainly up front they'll be uh, they'll be tested early. Yeah. Okay, uh, Campbell. Thank you very much uh, for that. A- incidentally, if you were um, if you weren't in the top sixty-three, in other words, um, uh, the the All Black uh, touring squad proper or the All Black fifteen, which is a further twenty-eight players, um, there's sixty-three players involved there. Certainly, surely your agent's on the phone, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. Uh, yeah, I mean. Gee, I mean, the, the, we, to be fair, we still have another Super Rugby um, uh, campaign to go. So, but you would have to think that, uh, I mean, if they're choosing 33 for the Rugby World Cup next year, if you're not not in that top 63, unless there's a, the odd injury, um, then yeah, you'd be looking closely at your uh, uh, offshore options if you're not going to try and put out a, a, you know, a tremendous Super Rugby campaign. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, Campbell, thanks so much for your time this morning uh, looking at uh, those semi-finals in the Rugby Women's yeah, World Cup. Thank you. Thank you. Campbell thanks, Burns there, uh, of course, uh, from the Rugby uh, News, which has uh, always been a great publication, but doing uh, some really good stuff around the, the Rugby uh, Women's World Cup as well. 9.23 here on SCNZ. ...with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Well, Grant agrees with me. He says, uh, newsflash, Kane Williamson needs to retire from 2020 and play test. Can't score runs in, ten- in 2020. Bring in Gupta at three, best fielder, and scores runs. Cheers, Grant. Well, uh, that's uh, what the theory I mooted um, in the sermon. I, I, I don't for one second think it would happen. Uh, but I'd love to hear your feedback on where you think uh, Kane Williamson is so, much, so often our saviour, uh, so often the guy that we depended on, steady the ship Kane. Uh, even uh, got a special brand of hat just for the occasion. But uh, here's the thing: I mean, everyone's um, everyone's uh, flame just flickers every now and then. And, and I just wonder what we've seen in the last six to eight months. Uh, and there hasn't been a lot of Kane Williamson to see, to be fair. Uh, whether he is in the right form, batting-wise, to make a really big impact on this T20 World Cup. Uh, and I'd like to hear your opinions on that. I know there's. there's you know, he's 99.9% of people in this country who love cricket, uh, love Kane Williamson, and would never, ever think of a New Zealand team without him. Um, I'm just uh, running that theory across. So we'd love to hear from you just after uh, uh, 10 o'clock this morning when we open up the lines. And uh, that's one theory you can talk about. Of course, you can give us your picks too for the NPC uh, semifinals this weekend. And your impressions of the Rugby World Cup. It's gone to sleep a wee bit. I suspected it might by playing triple headers at the weekend and getting everyone involved um, and, and making sure that people were able to go at the weekends, etc. But, you know, uh, if you look at the Rugby League World Cup as a, a model in England, sure, the population base is greater, but they've got a game, at least one game every day once it starts. Uh, and so it'll never not be in the papers or on the telly, as you say. So uh, interesting. Uh, what about the, uh, after the first week, which was so successful, 
Are you expecting a bit of a decline? We shall see. 9.30 here on SENZ. Uh, time for some news. Right, uh, we're just uh, waiting for uh, a connection with uh, Michael Glading, which is uh, not too far away. Um, I see Brian from Hibiscus Coast is on the line as well. Brian, if you want to call back um, after 10 o'clock, uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, but uh, there's been a lot of uh, talk already in the, the 24 hours since it's been announced that uh, Danny Hay will no longer be the coach of the All Whites. It shocked a few people. Some, it didn't surprise at all. There's been a lot of theories as to why. Uh, Chris Milicic was uh, on the, the run home yesterday, and this was his impression of uh, what's going on. Chris, when you talk about you know the, the progress that's been made, we obviously got out of pool play at the Olympics, which Danny was a big yep. part of. We obviously, yep. in the next World Cup, as you say, the, the, the qualification becomes a hell of a lot clearer and easier. Is there, a, is there a chance that as a football nation at the top end, we could take a step back? from the progress that's been made or regardless of who picks up the batter now, you think we're on the right track? Um, this is a, a same group of players that went to an under-20 World Cup, got out of the group, won the next game, got as deep as male as they've ever got in the game into the last 16 in the world for an under-20 World Cup. They then go to Olympics, uh, the same sort of group of players, and they've jumped out of that group and they're starting to develop. They've gone to a World Cup qualifier and dominated possession against Costa Rica and lost the game. As we all know in sport, you can win or lose a game. My fear now is because there's a guaranteed World Cup, we could have a raft of what I call the third and fourth and fifth-tiered um, ambitious young coaches seeing an opportunity to go to World Cup, put their hand up, come forward. Um, the selection panel gets bamboozled or is it falls in love with a PowerPoint, and we end up with somebody that comes down just a rubber stamp, an achievement on their CV, without understanding the Kiwi culture, the development of these young players, where they're going and what they need to do, and a freedom to let them play that could derail what the development of these players. And then if we have the wrong person, there isn't a single European club that has to release these players in the window. Well, they have to release them, but they can just say they're injured, which mm. happens quite a lot. They just say he's injured, not available, injured, not available. And that player doesn't get released because the player doesn't want to be in that environment. So that's the other side of the coin. It's, it's a bit of a risk with a guaranteed World Cup spot on the line uh, to make a decision like this. Um, who, who is next in line? Who are those people putting their hands up at the moment? Uh, there isn't really anyone. There's a couple. <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of fan favourites out there. Yeah. Uh, but Danny was, you know, he got the last gig. Um, you're not going to know who's going to put their hand up. I mean, if someone like... You know, someone who gets fired out of a Premier League club decides that he wants to come down and take the All Whites for four years, then brilliant. But are the All Whites going to pay them five to eight million pounds a year to do that? <laughs> the reality is no. The figure is going to be in a couple of hundred thousand. So then you're talking about tiers of coaches. Mm. Uh, people talk about Dan Buckingham, but he's a part of the City Group. He's probably getting paid in excess of what anything you see on football companies on the pathway with the City Group that owns professional clubs all around the world. So then you go, well, okay. He's got to be interested, but he's taking a big risk and that sort of thing. And then there's a few Aussie coaches. You know, if, if, if Delay put his hand up to do the all that, everyone would go, brilliant. But he's involved with, he's a professional football coach who wants to be on the grass all the time. Mm. So I was going to get one of the, 
perennial World Cup achieved coaches? Well, no, because we can't afford them. So this is, uh, you know, you're, you're casting a very wide net in a very, very small pool um, with no real bait on the end of it. Yep, watch the space. That was uh, Chris Milicic with uh, his thoughts, very frank thoughts on uh, who we are likely to attract now that Danny Hay is gone. Uh, not good news. Right, let's uh, get across. In fact, Michael Glady, our next guest, uh, might even have an opinion on that uh, and how that uh, went about. Uh, principally, we wanted to talk to Michael about uh, golf because our golfers have been making us proud to be New Zealanders this year as they fly the flag across the world's courses in the various competitions. Some of those performances have been phenomenal. Uh, Ryan Fox, Lydia Coe, Stephen Elka, our big three names. Now, Stephen Elka's year on the PGH Tours Champion uh, Tour has uh, included winning the Senior PGA Championship back in May, and now he's set to come home. Yesterday it was announced that Elka will be entering the 2023 New Zealand Open at Millbrook Resort. Michael Glading joins us on the line as Tournament Director. Michael, thanks for your time. Uh, pleasure, Smithy, any time. Uh, before before we actually get to the golf side of things, you, you wore a football yeah. hat for a long period of time. Uh, this is yeah. um, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Oh, look, you know, it, it's yet another example of, of uh, non-football people making decisions or, or people who don't have expertise. You know, I, in my brief tenure in the job, I, I learned very quickly that you need to engage with people like Jonathan Gould because he's played in the Champions League and Danny Hay and people like that. And, you know, if you think that they did a review and uh, no doubt they talked to Uncle Tom Cobley and all. But, you know, at the end of the day, the people they should be listening to are people like Chris Wood and Winston Reid and, and Gouldy and Darren Baisley, who have all played the game at the top level, and and they're they're again, it's you know death by committee. Uh, Danny, it's an absolute tragedy. I could actually fill you in another hour on this. I mean, Danny should never have let, uh, been let go, uh, and and was building something that was really quite special. Something we haven't seen in all my years of watching uh, the All Whites. I've never seen a team that actually really plays on the park, and and he was clearly building something. And you know, my my big love team is uh, is Arteta. At Arsenal, uh, sorry, it's Arsenal. And, and you look at the example that they did with Arteta, where they employed him the first time and in that position, uh, and they just stuck with him. And because he was playing good football, and the results weren't coming, but they were playing great football, and they stuck with him, and they've got the rewards. And on a minor scale, this is exactly the same thing, except our guys have not got any balls, and they're not prepared to stick by it, and they're listening to people who they should not be listening to. It's a bloody disgrace. But anyway. We're on to golf. <laughs> <laughs> we are on to golf. Michael, I love that, though. That's fantastic. I love it. Uh, hey, look, uh, great news. Stevie Elka, who has just been a, a phenomenon, really, uh, in the seniors' uh, world, uh, as such, uh, the champions' world, has um, he's agreed to play, which is great news for you guys. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, I've obviously throughout the whole COVID period, I, I, I mean, I've known Steve for many years and uh, been in touch and been watching his success from afar and uh, and marvelling at it. And and it just goes on and on. And um, and looking at what he's doing and watching him on TV and seeing how far he's hitting the ball and how competitive he is. Uh, obviously, uh, an absolute champion on the on the champions tour. But I think good enough to win the win the uh, uh, to win you know the New Zealand Open. And he believes that too. So very excited to have him come back. And uh, he, it's, uh, it's been four years since he's been back to New Zealand. So on a number of levels, he's he's really thrilled about it. And he's been such a great supporter. He's a brilliant guy. And uh, you only have to look at the reaction uh, just last uh, last Sunday night, actually, quite late, when John Rahm won his own Open, the Spanish Open, to see how much it means 
you know, take the money aspect out of it, to have your name on your country's trophy. Absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, the good news is the money is, is, is becoming, you know, significant. We're going to be uh, a million of, uh, at least a, a minimum of 1.6 million New Zealand dollars. So it's, you know, one of the biggest sporting events domestically uh, in the country. Um, but that aside, you're quite right. It's about it's about that trophy and it's about uh, being your national open champion. And I think it doesn't matter whether you come from, you know, um, Afghanistan or, or, or America or the US. You know, if there's a national open, you want to win that that's the one thing you do want to have on your resume <clears throat> and not every player gets it so um i know foxy's the same he's absolutely you know he's determined that uh, you know he really wants his name on that trophy and and and, and stevie's exactly the same and it, there's a real window of opportunity for him to do that not quite a window though for ryan fox this t- time around um, almost a bit of a bummer that he won the dunhill isn't it because now all of a sudden his ranking is so damned high uh, he's in demand in other parts of the world and he has opportunities to burn yeah, well, that's true. Um, well, I'd, I'd never say it was a bummer that he won. I think it's fantastic. He's look. He's such a great supporter. He. Um, the irony is that he rang me, not not the other way around, uh, last week and discussed this. And sort of, you know, it, it's still in a quandary. And I, in a, here am I trying to promote players and trying to get players to come here. And I'm saying, Foxy, you have to play in this event. You know, I mean, it's a it is a window of opportunity, and those windows. As we all know, in all sport, you know they don't—they're not there forever, right? When the, it doesn't matter whether it's cricket or football or, or, or golf or anything, there are windows of opportunity, and it's how you—you know—how you walk through those. Those, and he will—he's really is good enough to win on the PGA Tour, and uh, and and he's got to get himself there. So, look, we're totally—you um, know—he he, he, there's no chance of him not playing in the future. But as I said, Tim, get more runs on the board, get yourself established, get on that tour. And then you can pick and choose. And that's, uh, that's mm. I, I believe that's exactly what's going to happen. So this year, Michael, uh, you're playing on uh, the two courses at, at Millbrook, of course, after a redevelopment down there. So uh, tell us about yeah. uh, how you think uh, these courses will play and c- compared to previous Open Championships. It'll be very interesting, actually. Um, obviously, that it's for there's nine holes that none of the players have really. Well, we had ran a small pro am when uh, when COVID struck last year, and we were only allowed 50 people, so we had I think 28 pros go down and play in a smaller domestic event. Um, <clears throat> the reaction from them, Foxy played in it as well, actually, was uh, mm. very very positive. Um, and yeah, I think it's uh, it's just going to add another dimension to the tournament. It's it's a, a brilliant part of the world, as we all know. But the new the new U9 is is uh, is quite different. It's in terms of the uh, topography, if you like. It's uh, up on a plateau. It's a bit more exposed to the wind. Uh, the golf the golf holes are very much in keeping with the rest of the golf course. Um, I think it's just going to add, as I say, add another dimension. I'm very excited about it. And, and Michael, of course, um, it, it, it's had uh, some wonderful names on the trophies over the years, uh, including New Zealand and Australian golfers in particular, but. Uh, we've seen it's also not a bad uh, little place um, to, and tournament to, to take part in because it can be a development to a, a side of things uh, for you. Uh, we look at Cam Davis, we look at Tom Kim, uh, big factors uh, in the President's Cup of late. 
Yeah, that's right. And and just before that was Sung JM is another one who uh, people didn't know of, and uh, and 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 he came out here. And, and uh, in fact, I I was lucky enough to go to the British Open this year and saw um, talk to Sung Jay and and talk to Tom, and they, they both have very fond memories of uh, playing in, in Queenstown. So look, I think it's something that uh, you know, in terms of our player recruitment, it's exactly where we aim, uh, and we, we, I think we've proven it. As I say, the, those three players you just mentioned have all played in the, in the last three New Zealand Open. Um, and I think that we're going to do do more of that. Uh, so uh, my, my recruitment starts in November. I've got a, a fair bit of travelling, and uh, frankly, I'm I'm going to be looking at uh, if you like uh, the next big thing. You can never get that 100% right, but I think that uh, with the likes of Tom Kim, when I first saw Tom play, he was 17, and uh, and everyone was talking about him up in Asia, and it was uh, a no-brainer for me to say, you know, you got to come down, Tom. You got to like, you'll love it. You know, and we looked after him, and uh, we don't pay these guys to come. Uh, we just try and uh, use the old-fashioned, uh, you know, come and play and we'll look after you. And that's uh, and, and that'll be our strategy going forward. So I think that, you know, I guess the challenging part is that when you're watching it on television or when you're uh, down there watching it live, you, you're not quite sure about who you're watching. In, in other words, who is going to break through. But if, again, if you look at our track record um, over the last sort of five, six years, there's been a number of players. I think another one, South African boy, Dylan Fratelli, uh, who came mm. and uh, he's now won on the PJ Tour and on the DP World Tour. So, yeah, that, that's the goal, uh, Smithy, is to try and find... Um, players that are really on the brink of the next big thing we know that when they get to pga tour level that we're going to struggle to get them because they're playing there for 20 million dollars and uh, you can't compete with that michael um you might get some interesting phone calls uh, when the recruitment uh, really starts to begin in earnest because uh, this uh, tournament i assume has uh, official world golf rank uh, ranking points established uh, alongside it is that correct <laughs> Yeah, it is actually Smithy, and it's. Uh, I've already actually had uh, approach from one uh, English-based professional to see if he could uh, maybe come down and play in it. But um, um, who plays on Live Tour? So absolutely, this uh, the world ranking points is 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 something which um, presents us with either an opportunity or a threat. I'm not sure which of the two it is yet. Well, you just preempted my last question, so I'll leave it at that. And, and I shall, I shall, Michael, just watch this space with interest when the recruitment really begins in earnest. Hey, always a pleasure to have you on. Particularly, I loved your uh, sentiments too about the Danny Hayes situation. Uh, and now, of course, we can really look forward to uh, a golf tournament in earnest uh, just around the corner now. Uh, Michael, as always, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Smitty. Good to talk. Cheers, mate. Yeah, good to talk. Yeah, uh, tournament director, of course, of the uh, New Zealand Open, and, and uh, that is uh, fantastic. Millbrook, it's uh, March next year, two, three, four, five. I mean, where else would you want to go and watch golf around the world than uh, Queenstown? My God, and quality golfers uh, there will be in their numbers and names to look forward to in the future. Exciting, really exciting. 9.47. The voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's rain all around the joint, actually, and there's uh, also rain in Atlanta at the moment, home of the Braves. So that game, uh, game two against the Philadelphia Phillies, is on hold because of uh, rain. So uh, we'll keep you up to date uh, with um, that um, Major League Baseball playoffs uh, progress. Um, so interesting results yesterday. Uh, the Braves are the only side to lose at home. They need to win game two. It's only a five-match series, best of five. Uh, Cam has come in from Invercargill. Morning, Smithy. Just want to know your thoughts on the Danny Hayes situation. With the All-Whites, from everything we hear and read, most of the senior players loved him and his coaching and want him there. 
while the young guys didn't like his coaching style. Is this younger generation a bit precious and soft? I know there is a care for mental health, but you have to have been selected to play for your country and as New Zealanders uh, demand the best from our sports teams, no matter the code. Really interested to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Uh, yes, Cam. Look, I, I'm I'm very disappointed, actually. Um, I, I've done a little bit of uh, research behind the scenes, and Danny Hay demands high standards, and Danny Hay likes things done the Danny Hay way. Um, but, man, most football coaches around the world, successful ones, uh, have that theory. Uh, look at the greatest of all in our time, probably Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, look at the way he ruffled uh, teams, uh, his, his players' feathers from time to time because he demanded that they did it the Alex Ferguson way and uh, had a pretty good record, didn't he? And I'm not saying that D- Danny Hay is um, anything in, in the calibre of uh, Sir Alex Ferguson just yet, but that is the, uh, the way of football coaches. They're passionate men um, and uh, they see an opportunity, they have the resources and they want to use them in the way that they want to coach the team. And there's no denying, as Michael Glading said, uh, that football team was playing football. The best style of football uh, an all-whites team has uh, displayed for quite some time. Desperately unlucky not to be at the World Cup. Those are my thoughts, Cam. Um, other people will have theirs. It's 9.54. Multi-time and two in a row. We got one yesterday. The Yankees, the Dodgers and England beat Australia in the cricket last night. Let's go for a hat-trick, shall we? The Dodgers to beat the Padres, the Braves to beat the Phillies. So $1.51, the Dodgers. Uh, the Braves uh, to uh, reverse yesterday's result and beat the Phillies at $1.69. Uh, and in football, a Europa League match, which will kick off tomorrow morning, Betis and Roma to draw at $3.30. Done a bit of homework there. Betis and Roma to draw at $3.30. Uh, multi those three up, and you'll get a return of $8.42. It's uh, not a bad return for 10 bucks, is it? 84 bucks and 20 cents. I'll take that any day of the week. Right, we've got some great news. We're going to be talking to uh, Jason Ryan, assistant coach for the All Blacks, after 10 o'clock. Wonderful for him to be available. Look forward to that shortly. Well, it's quite late in our show yesterday. Uh, Logan uh, Swinkles, of course, uh, as producer, revealed that uh, those jerseys uh, of uh, Sir Peter Leach's, those uh, rugby league jerseys, had been stolen after a, a raid uh, at Mount Smart, and um, everyone uh, straight away had a reaction to that. And not long after that, um, Staffy was able to catch up with Sir Peter Leach and uh, ask him about the situation uh, following this ram raid. A terrible, terrible thing. Uh, here's, here is Sir Peter Leach. Yeah, it's a sad day. Um, not, not for me, but the thing is, those jerseys that were stolen, they were there for the public to share, mm. you know, and... They would love seeing them. Like, I like telling the story about Arwen Gutenberg's testimonial jersey. I'm doing a little tour one day, and I show the, to the group, and I say, this is Arwen Gutenberg's testimonial jersey. He wore it in a game, and the guy said, what do you mean he wore it in a game? He wouldn't give you one. He wore it in his testimonial game. <laughs> I said, well, he did, mate. Well, why would he give it to you? I said, because, mate, I put on a testimonial lunch from him and raised a lot of money, and that was his way of saying thank to me. And people aren't going to be out to see those. You know, there's one from Steve Price signed. You know, there's um, Stacey signed one. You know, I'm never going to get another one off Steve Price because he's in Australia, but I can get another one off Stacey. I'll see him tomorrow, you know. Um, but it's it's the, the fact that they've robbed the public of being able to share these, you know. Um, but look, we're, we're great. We're hopeful we're going to get them back because the public, the media have been outstanding. Everyone's pulling the cart the one way 
And, uh, you know, Facebook has gone off and Instagram has gone off. You know, I mean, just, you know, I just had to have a little laugh there because some of the things on Instagram have been very nice, to be fair. Well, look, I, I know you love chatting. Sir Peter, but I'm going to ask you just to sit back and listen to some of the text messages that are coming to the station. Can you do that for me? This is the messages of the people to you, okay? Here we go. Go ahead. What a bunch of a-holes. The things that this man, Sir Peter Leach, has done for the people from all walks of life in this country, he doesn't deserve for some scumbag to do that. Hopefully he gets them back. That's from John. From Ken. Sir Peter Leach, I'm devastated by the news. I'm a proud Kiwi like you. You don't deserve this. Let's find those jerseys. I'm lost for words, but you're a great man who's done so much for New Zealand, so thank you. That's from Ken. Hi, Staffy. I'm gutted for Sir Pete. Uh, the jersey And the jerseys, they are unique. If they are unique, let's get some picks out so we know what we're looking for. Keep your head up, Sir Peter. You have lost some treasures, but you will never lose your generosity or dignity. No one will touch these jerseys unless they are given back. Don't let a few low-life scum make you dwell on the negatives. And the last one I'll read to you says, If it's of any solace, Sir Peter, the vintage jersey community is very, very small, and I have no doubt we'll recover these jerseys for you and uncover the culprits in the very near future. That's from PD. That's just a sample of the messages we've got in for you, Sir Pete. Well, first, I want to thank all those people for their kind wishes. Um, I just uh, am humbled by it. And uh, to the guy that said, you know, can we get some photos? Unfortunately, I don't have photos. I am going to look through some of my other jerseys and see if I've got some copies that I can put up. But they are signed, a lot of them, you know. But, uh, look, it's been very humbling uh, today. Uh, It's been bigger than a mad butcher free sausage sizzle, to be fair. (laughs) And they were massive. Mate, 2,000 people one night at um, the zoo when when some animal come back there. But anyhow, thank you all. God bless you all, and I appreciate your nice words, Mark, and to all the people that send those lovely texts. I humbly thank you very much. Yeah, uh, very emotional, wasn't he, Uh, Sir Peter, at the end of all that? um, He is... um He's, he doesn't leave uh, anything unsaid, uh, Sir Peter Leach, and you know exactly when you're having a conversation with him or you hear anything about him, exactly what he's thinking, and he is not scared to express it. And that is uh, straight-out disappointment, actually, and sadness. Uh, some will not be uh, able to be replaced because uh, they're just not available anymore. They were one-offs. Uh, others uh, may well be at some stage, but it, it doesn't mean um, what has happened is uh, remotely, remotely, um, acceptable. In fact, it's a, it's a heinous act. It's a terrible, terrible act for people to do that, um, and it's happening on a daily basis. Not, you know, I mean, to be fair, uh, people's businesses are being ram raided. Their livelihoods are being ram raided. Their lives are being put in danger, um, and uh, this one strikes at a real accord with us because it's sporting related, uh, and you know, and it really hits home when you see a man of that stature affected to the point that you could hear in his voice there. So not good, absolutely not good. Um, and uh, let's uh, hope that uh, the good part of society, and that is the majority, uh, can get it done and get these uh, thugs put away. They are thugs. Uh, and also get the, that property back to Sir Peter Leach. Mm. Uh, let's, let's do it New Zealand if we possibly can. I mean, if you have any... Um, you can ring us uh, confidentially if you like. If you have any information, um, just call uh, our station. Uh, the guys on the phones would be happy to take any possible information and pass it on. It will be um, anonymous. Um, if you're listening in, I, I doubt whether you are and you are responsible for this. 
uh, ring up and say where a place can be where they can be retrieved of uh, that nature. Um, Logan, you've got your hand up. Uh, yes, and uh, Sir Peter Leach uh, has been in the media again this morning. Obviously, that was yesterday afternoon with Staffy here on this station. Perhaps he slept on it a little bit uh, overnight. You know, it was very emotional yesterday. Today, I think it's all business. This is what he had to say. Listen, if you went to Mount Smart and stole those jerseys, give them back and I'll forgive you. We just want the jerseys back. Be nice. If you don't give them back... I'll hunt you down. That's what he said on <laughs> AM this morning. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, he'll have the friends and the resources to do just that. Um, and, and you can, you, you know uh, what we're looking at here. You, you, you get a snapshot uh, of, um, of, of what's happened and you, you know exactly what, what we're looking for. Um, it sounds like we're waffling on a wee bit, but uh, this is a subject that, that really does strike an accord with me and it's close to the bone because... I know Sir Peter very well, um, and I just know the goodness in him, uh, which is being undone here, which is ridiculously bad. Um, uh, we are waiting for uh, Jason Ryan. One of the things about um, the All Blacks is, of course, they, uh, you have to wait um, uh, till uh, they're available, and uh, we were told he would be available just after 10, but at this stage um, uh, he has uh, not made himself available. So we'll hold on in the hope that he does. We've got a panel coming up very shortly. We can go to with Mark Watson and James Regan. And we've got um, an ample, uh, a really ample replacement, in fact, for Jason Ryan. We've got Zaid. G'day, Zaid. How are you this morning? Okay, thanks. Um, what was your multi for this morning? Oh, my multi? Yes, I can give you that. I'm on a bit of a roll. Two baseball games, uh, Zaid. Dodgers to beat the Padres at $1.51. Yep. The Atlanta Braves to beat the Phillies, $1.69. And uh, the yep. football uh, tomorrow morning in the Europa League is a game between Betis and Roma, and I predict, yep. predict that will be a draw at $3.30. There you go, Zay. Oh, that's a bit of a big call. It is a, it is a big call. Um, uh, Auckland, um, can Auckland go to Wellington and win down there? Hopefully, but they're on a bit of a roll, Wellington. They are um, on a bit of a roll, to be fair, a, yeah, a big de- roll. De- depends who can take the... The right decisions in the big moment of a semi-final. Um, yeah, it's not a bad Auckland team. It just depends if they can get it right. Um, who, who gets it right in the, in the deciding moments? They did it last week against Harvard with Harry Plummer getting the winning penalty goal. So it just depends how they play. Um, the good thing is they've still got Patrick Tuipalotu who is a good lock um, to try and steal a few lineouts. Hopefully, um, Bright teams back this weekend and. Um, also, Nico Jones. So it's not a bad all-round team, but um, Wellington's not got a bad team either. You know, Julian Savia, Nehi Milnaskara, TJ Perinara, um, Ruben Love, Aidan Morgan. So it's going to be a pretty good game. I think it's going to be pretty tight, though. Yep, I agree with you, Zaid. I think uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, actually, some uh, rugby action this weekend, the NPC. Um, meanwhile, uh, we've managed to get hold of uh, Jason Ryan, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Jason, thanks for, for your time this morning. Yeah, sorry, Smitty. Uh, no problem. We just, uh, we just went on a bit longer than I thought, but uh, yeah, I'm all good to go, mate. Hey, look, uh, exciting. It's been an exciting period in the life of uh, Jason Ryan. That's uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you because uh, Super 15 finished, you, you ran away with another title. Um, you wouldn't believe, though, where, where uh, all of a sudden you've got to now. 
Yeah, yes. <laughs> I guess you're right, Smithy. It's been um, it's been a bit of a blur, really, um, since that final. And then obviously had six weeks in Fiji as well with the Pacific Nations Cup, and then um, got the call. And yeah, things shifted uh, pretty quick. But um, yeah, wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So where where um, in, in terms of your thinking, you've uh, had a uh, you know a, a, the end of a, a, a number of games, a championship in particular. Where are you at with with the job that you're doing? How satisfied uh, with you uh, with the pack as such? Oh look, I, I think I think we've made some um, some good progress and some key areas that we needed to. I think the boys have bought into a couple of system tweaks that we worked at that I, that I presented. And I think that there's probably a little bit of clarity. Like we removed a lot of stuff that probably wasn't necessary, to be honest, Smithy, just so that the boys um, don't have to think too much when they're out in the middle of a test match. So I think from that side of it, we've um, we've made some some good good progress in, in those key areas. But but we know that looking ahead um, for the next month or so, that'll really test the where we're at, which is which is exciting. Uh, the set piece obviously is uh, an area that um, you oversee. Um, Jace, uh, you, you're happy. Um, uh, the last ones, uh, the last performance at Eden Park seemed pretty good. Uh, up and down a wee bit uh, prior to that. Uh, how about the, those set piece, those key areas? Yeah, I think I think um, I think we're still trying to grow a couple of things around. Um, probably our, our line out attack and, and just where we're, we're finding space at the right times, just so we can help. Um, our hookers and callers a bit better. So we've done a little bit of work on that the last three days at, at camp. Uh, I think our mall attack has um, got some good variation where we've we've scored some nice drives off, off different different platforms, which has been pleasing. And then I guess the defensive side of the ball, we, 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 um, we've got some work to do there as well, but we actually stole some pretty key line-outs at key times during the rugby championship. So... And I guess what's different, Smithy, um, for the next month is in the rugby championship you get to play a team, uh, the same team twice. So you can, uh, whereas in the India tour or the Northern tour coming up, like Japan, we've got one test to get it right. So that brings a good challenge for us as a coaching group and players. Uh, I was going to suggest that too because there was a pattern, wasn't there, of uh, a performance that was perhaps substandard followed up by quite a conclusive one. I look at Argentina, I look at South Africa, I look at Australia in that regard and the improvement was marked in the space of seven days once you knew the opposition as such. Yeah, it was. And that's something we've driven at camp and we've really said to the boys that we've got to make sure we're doing our homework and our preview right as coaches for you know the first test, which is obviously Japan, because... If you don't get it right, well, you don't get another crack at them. So we've really put a lot of pressure on the boys and ourselves to make sure that we're learning really quickly and fixing things at trainings. Okay. Uh, just recently, of course, um, you've been responsible for picking uh, upwards of 63 players across uh, two particular squads to head north. Um, I would imagine there were some pretty tough decisions to make, uh, even in the the All Black 15, because uh, on show in the NPC has been some quite amazing talent. Yeah, the All Black 15 was um, a really, um, really hotly discussed um, team, which which is which is really encouraging, really, because it shows the depth um, in New Zealand rugby at the moment. We believe the selectors, and there's some been some boys that had played. You know, pretty well in super that maybe dropped off a little bit in the 
in the Bunnings Cup, and then you got the other side of it where guys in the Bunnings, Bunnings Cup have been quite unbelievable, and probably Billy Harmon's an example of that. Um, so, so yeah, and, and we're really happy with the mix, Smithy. We feel there's a good balance of experience, but also there's some, some young boys in there, particularly around the front row, I think, which I know we keep talking about even at the all-black level, that we've got some competition, which is exactly where we need to be. Eight Canterbury uh, forwards uh, out of the 16. Uh, quite a credible mix there. Yeah, oh, look, we just want to pick the best players and you know the, the three selectors were, were really aligned with um, how dominant they've, they've been playing and, 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 and it gives us great depth in each position. Um, when you look at all of those guys individually, um, we believe that, you know, that they've really played some phenomenal rugby in the, either during Super or, or both with the Bunnings Cup and, and McKaylee too, again with Hawke's Bay, you know, he's been he's been playing some good rugby too, so yeah, it might be dominant in, in, in one area there, but um, you know, we just pick the best players and take out the emotion when it comes to that. Jason, I don't want to grill you on players individually as such, but I will say that one of the most talked about omissions when we've had texts into the various shows, etc., or phone calls, has been Peter Gus's sore cooler. Is the door closed for Peter Gus? What's the situation there? Oh, look, I don't, I don't think the door's ever closed for any player when they're playing in New Zealand rugby, and it shouldn't be. Um, and I had a good chat to, to Neil Barnes, the Talanaki coach, and obviously um, Peter Gus was selected in the All Blacks um, before um, the sort of the new regime as such came in, and and, and we just um, we just thought for for this tour and for the boys who've been playing well first and foremost to the All Blacks, but then the second crew coming through that the, the form was a little bit better. So we just had to look at that, and you know I know that there has been a little bit of t- uh, talk around that and. Uh, potentially missed the opportunity to play for his country in Fiji and in the World Cup, but but that's that's really out of um, our control to be fair because we're going to pick the best team for this end of year tour um, and the best New Zealand 15 team, and we we believe we've done that. Jason, when we look at style of rugby, uh, will the All Black 15 under Leon McDonald uh, be trying to emulate? the style of play you're getting into your All Blacks as we speak right there in Nelson as such, will they be trying to emulate that or have you given Leon a bit of a free licence as such? Oh, Leon's been great uh, and Clayton and you know, they've been outstanding those boys and we've had some great discussions you know, we've said that you know, it was no secret Smithy we, we, the selectors, we selected the All Black 15 but it's up to them to coach it and then and they'll pick their, um, their, their, their starting 23 for each week and you know, we've said um, that there might be a couple of boys come come over from the UK to, to play in that Island A um, team for them, and, and that's all we'll really do. They'll, they'll you know, they've got to they've got to be their own identity and, and and that sort of thing. There will be some systems, I guess, that we'll chip away in the in the background with, but you know, they, they've got to coach it and, and and do what's right for their own team because they're going to be the ones on the grass driving it, Smithy. Uh, just finally, Jace, there's another World Cup going on in the country at the moment. The Women's World Cup uh, started with a Hissner Award last uh, weekend. Have you had any contact uh, with Smithy or, or uh, any of the group there? Are the All Blacks in constant contact with the Black Ferns unit as such? Oh, not not during the World Cup, Smithy, but actually um, the, the week of the, the Eden Park Test match, the last bit is though, we actually had a really nice dinner with um, Smithy and Chrono and, and, and the Black Ferns coaches and um, it was actually really nice just to to talk to them and um, you know, um, you know, 
share a couple of uh, memories and, and, and a couple of challenges that, that they've got coming up and, and also with us, I guess, ask them questions. And I know for myself, you know, talking to Crono and Smithy, they've been at the highest you know, level and probably the greatest all-black tenure ever. So it was good to connect up with them and wish them all the best. And, and, and along with Whitney Hanson, who I... Um, we're always in contact and she's asking me stuff and vice versa. We can learn a lot of each other. I've got a lot of time for Whitney. She's a phenomenal coach and doing a great job. Cool, mate. Uh, thanks for you, uh, giving us um, your time this morning. I know you're pretty busy. I can hear whistles and, and noise in the background. So we'll let you continue on and uh, wish you all the best for that Northern Tour, mate. Uh, stay safe, travel safe. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Smithy. Appreciate your support. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, uh, Jason Ryan there, of course, uh, assistant uh, all-black coach. Yeah, as you can see, he's basically standing out in the middle of the field. You could hear that. Uh, it's 10.21 here on SENZ. We'll have a panel shortly. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. James Regan and Mark Watson uh, with us this morning, uh, which uh, I'm pleased to say, um, very experienced uh, journalist. And uh, James, can I start with you, please? Uh, it's been a hell of a year to be a New Zealand sporting coach, it seems, of national teams. You're always under pressure, but uh, we've kept uh, Ian Foster, lost a couple of assistants, and now we've lost Danny Hay. Uh, and the reaction to that has been quite substantial. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? He was so so close to, to getting them to that World Cup. Arguably that Costa Rica game was a farce and they should be there. Um, and he, he's clearly improved this team, um, this young, talented team that has got so much potential. But for this to kind of finish the way it has, um, and Don McKinnon's report to be pretty damning uh, in what he was saying, um, it's just it's disappointing. It's disappointing for football fans. I'm sure it's disappointing for players and New Zealand football, that this this has gone the way it has. It's bizarre. Danny Hay is obviously a good coach who's got the backing of the players, and it was such a big thing when he took over because I think a few players were looking at Des Buckingham going, we want him in. Um, and then he took over and got them all on the same page with obviously the backing of the likes of Chris Wood as well, and now it's gone the way it has. It's just, yeah, frustrating. I guess frustrating is the word I'd probably use. Uh, I... Th- to be honest, uh, to be honest, Mark, uh, the weight of um, opinion seems to be on the side of uh, Danny Hay here, um, and the fact that we won't have him anymore. How do you see it? Yeah, look, I um, heard you know some weeks back that Danny Hay wasn't really that interested in it. Well, I, I think the biggest frustration, I think the bigger picture thing is what is happening to our international fixtures. Why are we not seeing our men's team competing more regularly against quality opposition? Um, they should still be the shop window. I mean, we see it in so many other sports, you know, netball, it's still a silver ferns, the All Blacks, well, you know, they're the ones that pretty much carry the rugby torch, rightly or wrongly. And so uh, it must be incredibly frustrating for Danny Hay, for the players, you know, look, we don't have enough money. Why don't we have enough money? Where is all the money going? Uh, you know, there are a lot of stakeholders in football, but you've only got to go on a Saturday morning and just see how big it is grassroots-wise and just how big it is amongst young girls as well. And so, you know, the administration, I think, needs to take a long, hard look at themselves and say, hey, what are we prioritising here? But look, I think a bigger issue too, and maybe part of the reason is that, you know, we still continue to play in little old Oceania and we've sort of always been 
haven't we just let's roll the dice let's just get to that one playoff game and let's see how good we are and let's take our chances I mean the reason why we didn't get past Costa Rica at the finish is I just don't think we get regular competition against quality sides and for us to improve we need to be playing against better teams for us to understand who our players are to be able to commercialise it more we need to see these players I mean in 1982 we knew every single member of that all white team they were household names you know, I look at this All Whites team that comes out. Look, yeah, I'm familiar, you know, I'm clearly familiar with Wood and Reed. But beyond that, um, you know, I sort of go, oh, I've sort of heard of them, but I don't really know that much about them. And that's because we just, you know, we, we see them. I'm not a big Phoenix fan. I don't think they've done enough to warrant my time to watch a lot of them. And then a lot of other players are sort of playing overseas in sort of second tier, third tier competitions, whether it been in the United States or parts of Europe. And so... Yeah, uh, you know, why would you want to coach an all-whites team? Why would you want to be the, the coach of a team that just never plays? Um, and then again, on the same side of it, when you ask the questions, well, you fall out with the administration. So, look, it, 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 politics has always um, plagued New Zealand football, and this is just another chapter. Nice uh, result, speaking of good coaching and popular coaches uh, last night, uh, James, for... Um, the Silver Ferns, it was, uh, you know, that's a hell of a win, uh, an eight-goal margin against Australia. I, I must admit I didn't see that kind of comfort in the result. Yeah, uh, just amazing, wasn't it? And it's, as you say, a massive testament to Nolene Tauru. She's um, had, you know, obviously a disruptive build-up to this series with the Jamaican series. Um, but, man, they were fizzing last night, weren't they? And, and a couple of players really stepped up. Kate Heffernan was one that springs to mind. Kelly Jury, you know, players that have not had too much um, international experience, especially recently, and that kind of, you know, you weren't really sure, as you say, how they were going to go, but man, they blew Australia out of the water and the big thing for them now and as Dave Nolan said after the game is to do it again and again and again um, through this series, but also in the lead up to next year's World Cup, but um, yeah, once, once again, Nolan Toto has has done wonders with the with the squad she's got, and I guess the one thing you would say is be be very wary of a wounded Australian netball side because they will be absolutely fired up for, for Sunday's game in Tauranga. But yeah, what what a performance! Well well done to them, and, and yeah, hopefully see much more of it in the coming games. James Regan and Mark Watson are with us uh, on the panel this morning. We'll take a, a very, very quick news break uh, with uh, Aroha, and when we come back, uh, we might look at uh, the Black Caps um, <clears throat> and the Women's Rugby World Cup, uh, amongst other things. The panel. James Regan with us this morning, as is uh, Mark Watson and uh, Mark, uh, the Black Caps, uh, sort of uh, flying under the radar, playing the... Uh, uh, this cricket series so early in, in spring, really, and uh, most of the country's still copping a lot of rain. Um, so uh, it's sort of going a little bit unnoticed, but uh, what I did notice yesterday was that uh, Kane Williamson didn't play. Martin Guptill was at three, did a pretty good job as well. Uh, I just wonder about the future for Martin Guptill. And, uh, Mark, could we win a World Cup if we didn't have Kane Williamson in the lineup? Yeah, that's, look, that's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I think you're opening... Uh, batters going forward, Arthur Allen and Devin Conway. The biggest problem with Martin Guptill, and you know this and I know this, is that, yeah, he's been a, a wonderful player at home. He, he's just so suited to New Zealand conditions. But you go back to the uh, one-day World Cup, you know, in England, he was probably the one player that 
still probably didn't perform and you know you could sense the frustration from him he was almost in tears and he didn't really feel like he really contributed particularly uh, even in that final uh, Kane Williamson my concern here is that you know he's the captain of the side and we just seem to still be so hesitant with it comes to our batting we never should be on the front should, should we be on the back foot i.e. should we be positive or should we be a bit more conservative and I think I've said this to you before with Gary Stead and Kane Williamson at the helm. I just wonder how much free licence there is uh, with this Black Caps team. And can we win without Kane Williamson? Look, I, I think we can win without Kane Williamson. I'm just not sure who the replacement player is for Kane Williamson. And that's always the debate, isn't it? If you drop a player, who do you bring in? Because I'm certainly um, yeah, not, not convinced it's Martin Guptill. But look, there's a lot to like with the likes of Glenn Phillips, uh, Mark Chapman, um, you know, Jimmy Neesham, I think, is one of the most underrated sportsmen in New Zealand. Uh, not convinced on Michael Bracewell, but hey, it's T20 cricket. Anytime you take a, a, a major game and you shorten it, you abbreviate it, there is all, it becomes more and more a, a game of chance. And, you know, I think we've got enough players in this New Zealand team to be, you know, the likes of Conway, um, you know, to be able to take yeah, take a game away from an opposing side, whoever they are. Now, I'm I'm really starting to think about uh, that top four because I believe uh, that uh, 160 is not going to cut the mustard in any shape or form. Uh, you're going to have to get a pass score of around 200 if you want to win this World Cup, which means you have to go hell for leather right from the start and you really don't want to let up at any stage and reassess and get, give batsmen the opportunity to get in uh, as we have in the past. And that's why... I like the idea of a really aggressive uh, top four. Speaking of being aggressive, uh, James Regan, uh, Michael Maguire has to name a side against uh, Lebanon. He's got uh, two or three relatively easy games uh, going into this uh, the important stages of the Rugby League World Cup. How do you think uh, he should play it? Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one because with, with all due respect to those teams, they're not going to be a massive challenge for the Kiwis. Lebanon will be probably the toughest game, so it's good to get that out the way and, and get a good hit out first up. Um, he has to be really careful, though, with with a couple of players who are maybe coming back from injury, the likes of Joey Manu, um, who you don't want to rush in, but you also want to get a little bit of good game time in before they go on to the quarters uh, and hopefully beyond that. So the, it'll be a good chance to test the depth. I think chance of Oxstad will play fullback. He, he had a really good game in the warm-up game against Leeds. Um, but it's also a tournament, and you, you've got to put your best team out when you can, as well as giving, you know, keeping players ticking over. I think he'll have thought about this long and hard, especially since he was let go from the Tigers. This is all he's been thinking about, which is a great, great position for the Kiwis to be in. They've got good depth. Um and I think we will see a lot of changes through the pool play, but he'll know his best 13 and his best 17 for when it comes to probably Fiji in the quarterfinals. So I think we'll be, see a bit of rotation, but also, you know, you've got to give the players a good run leading up to that game as well, which is going to be a tough game against Fiji. Mark Watson, uh, of course, the Black Ferns back in action at uh, Waitakere this weekend when they face Wales. Uh, first of all, um, what are you expecting from that encounter? You think they'll, they'll take another step up? I mean, last week was a pretty f- slow start, which they can't afford against uh, England or France, you would imagine. Yeah, and you wonder why 
we got off to a slow start. Was it the occasion? Was it all the hype? Was it the size of the crowd, perhaps? Um, you know, I mean, were they just a little bit sort of starstruck a little bit in terms of what was actually going on in their lives? And, hey, look at this. Wow, this is incredible. Boy, we really are here. Yeah, look, I think Wayne Smith will be wanting just a really a, a much more positive start. I think he'll want to tighten up in some key areas. Um, yeah, he'll certainly want to build. I, I mean, I think after the first round, I think we can sort of still look at England and probably France as maybe looking slightly better. Um, but yeah, it'll be really interesting to see sort of what Wales throw up. I mean, you know, nice sort of uh, late, well, you know, last minute victory um, over Scotland and. I'm curious. I'm sort of curious to see what the depth is like below New Zealand, below France and below England. And look, I hope they do put up a contest. I think still New Zealand, I think, need to be put under a little bit more pressure at the moment. I think they, you know, I don't think you want to be firing in your first two games. You need to, you know, it's the old saying in boxing, sometimes you learn more from your defeats than you learn from your wins. And adversity is not a bad thing. But yeah, certainly, we want to see a much improved um, opening 20 minutes from the Black Ferns, but equally too, I think I want to see Wales yeah, really challenge us um, in some key areas as well, so that we are, you know, so, so that we are seeing that standard quite high. Because when the likes of England and France come along, um, yeah, we're going to need to be at our very, very best to beat them. Uh, hey, Mark, I, I, I've put my hand up and ke- confess to not knowing too much about this subject, but you are commentating the Defence Force Women's Rugby World Cup which is running parallel with uh, the Rugby World Cup proper. Well, tell, tell us a wee bit about that. Yeah, this is this is happening for the first time. So they do tend to have um, something similar with the men's that's been going for a long time. They have the Defence Forces or the Armed Services run a sort of a, a World Cup for men, which normally occurs in the same country following the Rugby World Cup. And so part of the proliferation of the women's game, the Defence Force here in New Zealand have established um, yeah, a Women's World Cup equivalent, which is just eight countries at the moment. And so it's been started uh, the Friday, so started the day before the Women's Rugby World Cup. So we've got France, New Zealand, the United Kingdom, uh, Tonga, Fiji, um, and this hybrid team of Papua New Guinea, Vanuatu, um, and I think I've missed one in there. And so, yeah, so this has been going on at College Rifles. And I've got to say, they're doing it brilliantly. Um, a lot of fans there, they've had helicopters come in and um, land in the ground there and, and drop the World Cup ball off. And, and I've, got to be imp- I've got to say, I've been very, very impressed by the standard of rugby. We saw one hell of a game the other day between the United Kingdom and Australia. Boy, it was a great, great game of uh, rugby for the women's side of it. And a lot of these teams are stacked with players that play professionally in France, that play semi-sort of professional here in New Zealand um, as well um, as in Australia. So it's a really, really high standard. A number of players that probably, you know, fringe may have just missed out on the, the Women's Rugby World Cup. So, yeah, we had uh, Buck Shelford down there, who's a patron, I think, for the Navy, and he was there, and there was a lot of New Zealand rugby brass. So the next round is actually tomorrow. Uh, we've got New Zealand taking on Tonga, and then we've got a mouth-watering encounter, the United Kingdom taking on Fiji, because Fiji, believe it or not, might just be the team to beat. They demolished a very good Australian team the other day, 67 points to 15, and everybody was shaking their head. Um, are Fiji that good or Australia just that bad? So, um, yeah, look, keep yourself along. A really, really good high standard of rugby. Very impressed. Cool. Mark Watson and James Regan uh, have been uh, 
with us on the panel this morning. Yeah, get across uh, to College Rifles uh, Rugby Club because uh, that sounds like some terrific action and uh, continuing on the theme of women's rugby. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, we'll have uh, another panel uh, tomorrow morning around about the same time. It is uh, 10.43. On SCNZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, Pacing for Purpose, Season 2. Right, uh, this week's Harness Racing pick to raise funds for our charity, which is uh, Women's Refuge, is racing at Wyndham, um, and that is uh, this afternoon at 3.05pm. It is race three, number seven, Port Pegasus. Won well last start and looks set to continue on this week. That is race three, number seven, Port Pegasus at Wyndham. This afternoon at 3.05. Uh, two or three texts that have come in, uh, certainly about the, the All Whites. There's a bit of feeling uh, about this Danny Hay situation, the fact that he's no longer with us. Um, Brett has said, well said, life and work is not easy when you start. Work hard and you will get the results. Or am I old school? No, Brett, uh, you're, you are old school in your thinking, but uh, it shouldn't be old school as a theory. Um, and, um, you know, it, it really shouldn't. It, that should be the way of the damn world. Um, so the All Whites had a good coach. The players wanted him to stay. had pretty good record. Had to reapply for his job. Who's there potentially no one nationally better for the job yet. The All Blacks had coach with a crap record. Players wanted him to stay on and a better coach ready to replace him but gets to keep his job. Mm, says uh, Brendan. Um, and JD says, Smithy, unfortunately the decision by New Zealand football wasn't unexpected. It's uh, another in an increasing number made by our sporting organisations with conflicting interests such as government funding to consider. There's always two sides to every story, so why didn't New Zealand football sit down with Danny Hay and find a solution? Uh, Interesting point, uh, JD. Um, Not much point now. That is not much point now. He's uh, gone as of uh, 31 October, uh, Danny Hay, so I wouldn't imagine he's even got to bother turning up for work in the next couple of weeks. There's not much point. Um, so it's uh, 10.50 here on SENZ uh, we'll have uh, Louis Herman Watt and Pip Morris before 11 The loveracing.nz update your home for everything thoroughbred racing visit loveracing.nz racing's biggest fan <laughs> Uh, Louis Herman, what joins us now? I can tell you it's still light drizzle here in Hawke's Bay, so we're destined for the heaviest of the heavy. Uh, Louis, Woodville looks like it's been abandoned today, but um, uh, you're uh, dusting off the passport, I'm led to believe. Yes, yes, Smithy, I am. I'm dusting off the passport, which, by the way, I put through the washing machine a few years ago, and it's... um it's held together pretty well, to be honest, but it's just starting to come apart at the thread. So hopefully they let me in to Australia um, so I can watch Nature Strip do his thing in the Everest. I mean, it's just such a good race. $15 million. I mean, why wouldn't you want a sprinter <laughs> that could do it all? Mm. And Nature Strip, he's drawn slightly wide, so you get a little bit of meat on the bone. It's $2.20, so well, let's be honest, there's not a lot there. People are tipping against them. They really are. Eduardo's ten dollars into eight fifty. Uh, Lost in Running's had huge support throughout its preparation, and Hugh Bowman was on the show with us this morning, and he says that he's at a different level he was at than last year. Mars Crusader, 
Um, well, we know Mars Crusader absolutely flies late, but can he be close enough? Marzu, well, he's a promising youngster, four years old, and um, we've also got Jackano, the three-year-old down the bottom of the book, which could win it as well with that lightweight, just the 53 kg. So there's chances across the board in the Everest. If it was me, I'd be taking Nature Strip with, uh, I'd take a, I'll take a Quinella, Nature Strip, with Lost in Running and Masked Crusader to run out that Quinella. Um, I think Jackano is a bit of a smoky. I'm going to I'm gonna lay Eduardo. I don't. I just don't think we've seen Eduardo at his best this preparation and it had to stop for the nine-year-old at some stage. So Nature Strip's the one to beat for sure. And the Livermore Smithy, Mustang Valley. I mean, Andrew Forsman didn't quite get his well wishes yesterday when well, maybe the exact sort of track he was after when She's Lippity Split came up on the heavy track, but Mustang Valley's not going to worry about the heavy at all. She will love a bit of sting out of it, as will just ask me and a couple of the other ones, but I think Mustang Valley is actually, I mean, she's 280, she's pretty short now, but if you've got anything near $4 for her or more in futures, well done. I think she's going to be extremely hard to beat. Okay, uh, thanks very much for that, uh, Louis. Uh, have a terrific uh, trip across the Tasman uh, we're just waiting to see if uh, we've got a uh, connection through to the TAB I should have held on to Louis actually um, uh, and uh, asked him a couple of other questions because the Caulfield Cup uh, Louis you're still there actually are you? Yes I'm still here mate Sorry um, uh, if I can borrow a bit more of your time the Caulfield Cup has snuck up on us Smoking Romans at 4.50 is the preferred option at this point 5.4 million up for grabs there yeah, isn't it funny? Look, you say this, the Caulfield Cup snuck up on us, and I, I kind of tend to agree. And, and isn't it crazy how I actually genuinely think Peter Valandis and the Everest has won this war? I, I really do. I think it's the biggest race this weekend, and that's crazy because it's the Caulfield Cup. And you're right, Smoking Romans, by the way, bred out of the South Island, the Ghibellines gelding. Look, he's just so perfectly weighted, 51.5 kilos. I mean, there's better horses in the race, probably, but it just sets up for him. Can Montefilia go close again? Um, she's probably going to want a bit of rain. Will we see the best of Jua? I'm not too sure. Non-conformist. I, I think it's Smoke and Romans to, to lose Smithy at 4.5. Good on you, Louis. Thank you very much. Um, and I repeat, travel safely and have a hell of a time. The Everest is uh, really, really interesting. Uh, yes, uh, nature's trip with uh, a wider straw, but uh, there was a bit of rain around as there is in New Zealand as well. 11 o'clock, Greg Murphy after the break. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And what a day. He's overcome a penalty. Competitor crashes, weather, rain and mud. It's farewell hold and hold. Start your engines. It's the Midas service session with Greg Murphy. Trust the team at Midas for your next car service. Yeah, well, that was uh, SVG continuing his incredible year behind the wheel last weekend at uh, Mount Panorama alongside co-driver Garth Tander. He picked up his second Bathurst uh, 1000 victory in a wild race with uh, plenty of safety cars. And it's time for, for the Midas service session. With Murph, normally we look at uh, what's going on in the world of Kiwi motorsport, but I think we should dominate today just reliving uh, the week uh, that was for Murph uh, as his uh, comeback race as such. 
Uh, Murph, uh, just tell us about your, your reflections uh, when it was all said and done. Yeah, uh, it's still quite strange, to be honest, Smithy. Um, massive week, uh, sort of engaged again in a, in a you know, c- competitive capacity rather than um, the last, well, well, not last couple of years, but the years before that, in a, you know, in a uh, commentator role. Um, so to be back in that, that competitive capacity and go through the, you know, the, the parades and the autograph sessions and all that kind of stuff was just really, really bizarre. And then, um, you know, it was a, quite a relief just to get in the car on Thursday and, and head out on the track and, and start that, um, you know, that, that, that competitive process. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, it was, it was a, it was, uh, yeah, pretty honoured to have another opportunity to do it, and and you know, and it, and it, and it did go pretty well, and I'm, I'm really happy with the way it played out. But yeah, when it was all said and done on Sunday afternoon, it was um, yeah, it was all a bit of a blur. It was quite surreal, to be honest. Well, Matthew, you, you were uh, in the car first. I mean, you started the race for your combination with uh, Richie Stanaway, so it's not like you had to sit back and uh, and watch for an hour or so before uh, your turn came. No. Tell us uh, about uh, that start, that that feeling at the start. Well, it's it, uh, it's a pretty anxious one. I mean, um, obviously starting on the second row of the grid for us, you know, <laughs> to start this path is, was just insane. Here I am, eight years out of the seat, coming back as a wild card and. And and I can see the front of the grid, you know, um, just just wild. And and I haven't started a supercar since 2014, and they're not the easiest things to get off the line at Bathurst. Uh, you know, running 110 kilo, 110 liters of fuel, and and um, a very long diff ratio. Uh, you know, it, it can it can all turn to custard pretty quickly. And and uh, so, I, you know, I I was um, a bit worried about that, but got away reasonably well and and um didn't make a, a dick of myself so that was a that was a positive and um you know uh, yeah it didn't manage to settle in after that because of the safety car situation so it was it was just wild the whole thing was wild and and i really just did what i wanted just to stay out of trouble and and not get in the way of some of the faster car faster drivers and cars and and um we fortunately managed to do it but it was um it was just insane. You don't, you don't really have time to think. You know, it, 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 a lot of stuff does come back to you pretty naturally, but um, I just couldn't believe how uh, desperate so many you know, drivers were uh, for a 1,000 kilometres. It's it, it talked about every year pretty much, but this year with the conditions and the, the track situation with mud and dirt and water and all that stuff on it, um, yeah, a few of these guys um, made, a, made a real mess of it, and I'm glad we managed to stay out of it. Uh, including um, the incident that happened uh, as early as lap five, which uh, saw Zane Goddard attempt to overtake you uh, at the chase. Uh, instead, he ran off the track and eventually took out two other uh, drivers. So uh, what was your impression of that? Because um, people like Andre uh, Heimgardner have been saying uh, some of the driving was uh, like uh, that of absolute losers. Yeah, well, um, very substandard. And again, that was that desperation thing. And I... Listen, to be honest, I mean, when we all sit down and reflect, I mean, I I, um, I feel for Zane because he's a he's a great young man and um, and and a talented young driver, um, and it's just one of those moments that he he you know it was a bit of a, rut, a, a rush of blood um, uh, to the head and and something he will you know he will take with him for a very long time, um, a huge amount of regret, 
Um, he's very remorseful about it. But at the time, and, 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 and that won't change for those guys and those, those teams and well, those guys and girls and those teams that, um, that were affected so terribly by that with the damage that they've got and you know, being out of that race so early on. You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of emotion and 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 definitely a lot of anger and it, and, and it was, you know, there was a lot of unnecessary stuff going on uh, early on that um, you know a lot of people are going to have regret for and wish they had done it differently. Um, you know, it is Bathurst and it is important, but um, you know, I think I think I think I've always looked at it as a thousand Ks and it's like, well, you you, it's, you don't need to be trying to win it in that first stint. Um, so many things happen, and, and there's still a lot of learning to be done for a lot of drivers out there around that whole that whole sort of thought process. And it, I mean, you look at some of the cars that that did they were down a lap, they went down a lap, had issues, had problems. Um, the Will Brown car was damaged, you know, uh, with Jack Perkins in it on the exit of Turn One. Jimmy Wincup had a massive spin. You know, the Will Brown car went down a lap and ended up finishing in the top ten. Um, because of safety cars, you know things like that are going to happen. Safety cars and, and interruptions throughout the day that give you opportunities. And um, but there was just too too much uh, testosterone built up out there, and and again, you know, not not enough um, not enough brain being used. Yeah, uh, it's it's quite a poor indictment on it actually. To be fair, but uh, let's look at your overall p- uh, performance with Richie. Uh, finishing 11th, uh, given that um, a lot of cars didn't even complete the the, the 161 laps. What, how do you feel overall the achievement? Did it exceed expectations or about that? Oh, I think it exceeded expectations, really. Um, you know, it, it, uh, I, I'm not surprised by, by um, you know, his performance and... Um, at all and, and his speed and, and, you know, being in the top 10 and all that stuff. Um, I'm not surprised by it, but it, it also could have easily not happened that way. Um, so because of the challenges, you know, throughout the, the week leading into the race. So it, it was, it was, it was amazing to, to see it, all that unfold the way it did and, and have, have, have some, some significant moments that, um, you know, that, that ticked, Pick some pretty big boxes as a wild card and, and as a combination that we were with, you know, both of us being out of a car for, you know, him for three years and me for eight years. You know, I think I, I think that's actually, you know, the whole week, it was something to be pretty proud of as a whole. Shane Van Gisbergen went in as uh, the favourite. Uh, in the end, didn't disappoint. Another uh, amazing achievement um, in the uh, uh, you know in a season that's been quite incredible. Um, tell us about his performance, um, Murph. Yeah, you're, you're right. It, is, it, it really uh, it's a bit of a struggle to find um, you know all the words. I think incredible probably does sum it up. I mean, you think. You think the week before he was um, driving a rally car, finishing in, inside, you know, inside uh, the top ten in, a, in an official World Rally Championship round in WRC two, um, to then head to Bathurst and, and win his second Bathurst one thousand, and do it in, in a pretty stunning form. Really, I mean, he didn't start on the front; had a little penalty applied uh, for the, before the start of the race, which wouldn't have uh, perturbed him too much at all. Um, I think their, their confidence in their and the pairing between him and Garth Tander is, is just enormous. The confidence in his team, um, his relationship with Andrew Edwards as his engineer um, is, is incredibly strong. 
you know, they, they had everything going for them. And in many ways, it was theirs to lose. And, and, you know, really, they didn't look like losing it at any stage. Um, a couple of other little bits and pieces during the race, which, which really weren't too much of a hindrance. Um, uh, and then he just managed the race, you know, for a, for a fair old period there um, towards, at the end. And, and no one had, had anything to hold to them. So it was a little bit of a reverse from last year when it was around the other way with the Walkinshaw car with uh, Chaz Molstead actually being in that position. And Shane trying to, to run him down. It was this, it was the other way around. Twelve months later, and NCG got his revenge. And um, it's just another staggering statistic. You know, nineteen race wins. Scott McLaughlin held the held the record, and and was um, incredibly. Um, um, oh, 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 he 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 posted a, a, an amazing post congratulating um, Shane. He was very humble in in, in uh, that record being taken away from him and. And applauded uh, what Shane had done, you know, winning Bathurst, I mean, 19 wins this season, which is just extraordinary. He will win the championship at the Gold Coast uh, in a couple of weeks' time, and and just cement a, a staggering year of motorsport for him. Mm. So just brilliant. Murph, um, it was uh, a bit of sweet, uh, I, I guess, uh, particularly for Holden. Uh, they got the result they wanted, um, yep. but it, it's the end of um, a hell of a great association. What was the feeling amongst the the Holden group about the the finale, the send off? Yeah, listen, it, you know we'd we'd sort of been building, I suppose, through this for um, a little while, and um, you know the the we, you know we know that uh, the Holden had um, uh, obviously disappeared um, a little while ago, but the car, the cha- the, the body shape, the ZB Commodore, still running. Um, you know it was. It was, you know, we, we knew it was all coming, but I think to, to actually be there for that final send off and actually then have the car win the race was 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 quite quite special. And um, I, I felt quite privileged to to be there driving one and and be in that race to to see the end of it. And and now it's official, you know, it actually is done. And and um, you know, I think everyone can um, can move on and and focus on the future. But um, you know, it, it certainly was. Uh, was it you know a, quite a uh, quite an amazing moment um, to witness it and be be a part of of this year's uh, this Bathurst for Commodore and Holden. Murph, where does uh, Richie Stanaway sit now in terms of uh, potential supercar spot for next year on the on the back of that drive? Well, the the, the phone's been ringing, um, <laughs> unsurprisingly. Uh, in which I, you know, was pretty sure that would happen. He's, he's already got a few um, few offers on the table, some teams chasing him for various things, and so it really comes down to to uh, what he wants to do, uh, what he, you know, where he wants to be, uh, what kind of commitment um, he's prepared to make, and um, and focus on, you know, um, you know, whatever he chooses, focus on it 100% and give it everything he's got. And and there'll be some great opportunities that better than he's that he's had um, in the last few years. Well, sorry, the last couple of years that he was he was racing in supercars. There'll be some better chance, better opportunities than that, either as a co-driver um, uh, for the for the enduros next year, uh, which hopefully there'll be more than one, um, or or potentially a you know a full time full time arrangement. So. And you know, uh, it's it's now it's now just up to him to decide. You know, where, really where he wants to be and what what capacity. So um, it, it's exciting for him, and and if it means that he does, get, you know, do something in the co-driver space, 
and a, with a very good team, you know, the opportunity to, to go and win some races is, is a good one versus maybe, a, you know, going and jumping back in full time and, and, and maybe not having that same opportunity to, uh, you know, to be, have that success. So, you know, you just got to weigh that stuff up. But, it's, you know, it's exciting. I mean, if, uh, traditionally over the years, motorsport hasn't really got a, uh, a fair crack, I think, at the Halberg Awards. We've had some amazing achievements uh, by um, our motorsport people, but uh, they never really get much of a look in. Do you think this is a time where um, someone like a, a Shane Van Gisbergen, Gisbergen who has uh, done so much in terms of the profile and for New Zealand as well, should be acknowledged? I, I've, I agree. Smithy, I've, I've felt that for a long time. I think um, it's been a very traditionalist kind of uh, event where, you know, it's been focused on, on you know, the the sport, some of the sports, rugby, that, that you know, dominates pretty much all the headlines and and the likes of the Olympics and, and some of those kinds of things. Um, whereas, you know, motorsport, the effort, the commitment, the athleticism, of of the athletes that are involved in the sport, uh, it just seems to be not um, recognised for for what is required to be the best in the business. And um, you know, Shane is is just an absolute X factor, um, one of the best racing car drivers in the world. And I, you know, if you put him, you, you put him in the in the top tiny tiny percentage of of the best that there is. You know, you. you you line them up with you know world champions, Formula One world champions, and and every other you know uh, top layer um, motorsport driver who's achieved you know the top layer of of the of the sport, and um, you know that's where he sits, and he should be recognised for it. As should have Scott McLaughlin and Scott Dixon more more so, and and you know hopefully hopefully it might might happen. But we've got so many so so much talent in the game, providing New Zealand with a platform. Um, you know, week in, week out, all around the world, you know, the, our, our motorsport athletes are, you know, have to be recognised and be saluted for being um, as good as anyone else and the best in the world. Uh, a question's just come in, Murph, if uh, you're good enough uh, to answer, please. Uh, what cars will be racing next year? What, what are we looking at in terms of uh, vehicles next year? So I, so I was lucky enough on, on Tuesday morning at Bathurst to... Um, drive the Gen 3 uh, Chevy Camaro uh, out onto the Bathurst track for the first time and do a couple of, couple of laps. And Dick Johnson was honoured with uh, driving the, the newly revealed Ford Mustang um, Gen 3 car that will be run next, next year. So, uh, so Chevy Camaro and Ford Mustang will be representing supercars um, and Chevy and Ford uh, in the championship uh, moving forward from next year. So um, the teams will be uh, very busy uh, come the end of the season. They're busy now actually starting the preparation to build uh, build brand new Gen 3 uh, Camaros and, and Mustangs uh, for 2023 onwards. Just finally, uh, Greg Murphy, there's a great saying in life that says uh, something along the lines of never say never, never say never. Um, <laughs> What about what about Greg Murphy going forward? Um, well, mate, I am um, more than happy to uh, say that um, that was my last uh, last Bathurst one thousand. Um, 
I don't. Uh, I do not uh, require uh, <laughs> any more any more Bathurst, and um, it was a it was a, an amazing experience. But um, you know, I know, you know, and it was a unique experience. But um, I know that uh, you know, I, I, I do not uh, desire to um, to go and attempt attempt that one again. So I got lots of lots of other motorsport stuff that I'm I'm looking forward to doing um, in the future. That uh, is, is not of that same level of capacity, um, and uh, and gives me a lot of enjoyment. You know that gave me a lot of enjoyment on the weekend, but um, you know the the level that you need to be prepared and the focus that you need to have, um, you know, is, is enormous. And I, I certainly don't have the time to, to give it to it. So um, we'll uh, we'll call it a day. Right, uh, and as a parting shot, Pat has just texted in to say, Greg. Just want to thank you, especially for everything you have done and achieved. You rock. There you go. There you go. So um, you're getting reaction as you speak to us, uh, Greg Murphy. You, you made us very proud. I hope you uh, scratched an itch, uh, and uh, as it sounds like, you've scratched it for the last time. But uh, you did a great job, mate. Thanks so much uh, for reflecting with us this morning. Appreciate it. Good on you, Smitty. Thanks, mate. Talk soon. Yeah, cheers, uh, Greg Murphy there, folks. Uh, fresh uh, out of uh, Bathurst. Didn't really ask him about his uh, style of celebration. We know that uh, Shane Van Gisbergen went big. Uh, Murph might have had uh, a little bit more sentimentality on his mind, of course, with his uh, a longer history in the race as such. But uh, certainly he did do us proud. It was an exceptionally good performance uh, along with uh, Richie Stanaway. And let's just hope for Richie. It um, may mean brighter things uh, going forward uh, in next year's supercars. It is coming up to 11.22 here on SCNZ. That was the Midas City. Don't let an overdue service cost you more in the long run. See the team at Midas. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Well, we've got uh, a couple of texts in as well um, as a reaction to um, Murph's uh, interview we just did and uh, Neil's come in with an interesting one he said oh, hi and while I acknowledge SVG is an excellent driver of most cars he drives he lacks the class and modesty of the two Scots SVG comes across as smart and smarmy uh, Scott, Scott Mick showed how good he is by uh, congratulating SVG on this season that of course is uh, Scott McLaughlin mm, interesting I think you have to be uh, Logan a, a special kind of uh, person to, to put your life at risk for something and, and get enjoyment out of it and uh, some people um, are humbled are humbled by the experience as we just heard from Murph um, you know reflect me on it in his way uh, and other people are much much more out there and that just helps them to be what they are yeah totally and I, I was having this conversation with uh, Brian when you win something like Bathurst I mean that is just as like to me that is the pinnacle event of supercars and this one in particular I I got a lot of interest out of both with following Murph's journey to getting back there but of course the chaos that ensued with all the weather and I was wondering how everything might kind of hold up so you know it, it was a great race and for someone like you know Shane Van Gisbergen to have the amazing season that he has had why not celebrate, have some fun, be you, mate, just be you. And I love athletes that want to put themselves out there, show their personality. You know, if they're larger than life, great. If they're a bit more low-key and a bit more, you know, let's say humble, 
that's fine too. I I, I love both sides of it. So, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of that. Uh, yeah, no, I'm honestly not a huge fan of that idea that you know he doesn't hold up to that same class as the two Scots. Okay, fair enough. That uh, everyone's got. got uh, an opinion, and uh, I think that's fair enough. I, I just uh, admire them. It's something I'd never do, and I always admire uh, if I'm not prepared to have a crack at something because, one, I'm not good enough, or two, I'm basically crapping myself the whole time. I, I, to drive a car at speed like that, um, I'm not going uh, to knock their personalities. They are exceptionally brave people. Um, and um, it was interesting to hear the... Uh, the reaction to some of the driving uh, in Bathurst from Murph himself uh, and from other people as well, that it was uh, just crazy. Some of it was uh, stupid and uh, <coughs> very, very dangerous at times. Uh, right, I can tell you that the Phillies and the Braves have still not got underway in Game 2. They were in a weather delay, um, so uh, that is a, a bit of a problem and that game might be postponed till tomorrow. Um, but uh, what uh, did happen this morning is the Champions League action um, Atletico Madrid nil, Club Brugge nil, Napoli, who are a pretty damn good side, Napoli. Uh, they beat Ajax 4-2. Barcelona uh, drew 3-0 with Inter Milan. Bayer Leverkusen lost 3-0 to Porto. Bayern Munich beat uh, Blitzen 4-2. Uh, Liverpool gave Rangers a toweling, 7-1. 7-1 Liverpool over Rangers. That'll keep uh, Jacob Spoonley a very happy chappy. Uh, Marseille... Uh, we're able to account for Sporting CP 2-0 and uh, Tottenham continue on their merry way. Uh, they beat Eintracht uh, Frankfurt by three goals to two. So uh, they are your Champions League scores from overnight. Uh, now, chance for you to win. Last chance uh, for me anyway this week. Uh, I'm off tomorrow, but um, Stephen McIver will be in and uh, he'll be just as competitive. But uh, it is time to stump Smithy on 0800-150-811. Uh, we'll be back uh, for that after the news here with Aroha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yeah, top class, and uh, tomorrow he won't be here, so Smithy, it's all on the line today. I, I'm really looking forward to this one. I know we've got McIver on tomorrow, but nothing hits quite like Stumped by Smithy, don't you think? I think so, um, yeah, and uh, I look forward to perhaps giving Stephen the opportunity to add $50 today. I, I just feel a, a bit of edge about this uh, performance, so I'm looking forward to it. All right, well, uh, we've got Jamie from Nelson on the line. $50 TAB bonus bet is up for grabs. Come and mate. Get up to the crease. Morning, lads. How are we? Yeah, we're good. We're very, very good, uh, Jamie. So uh, uh, what's it like down there, uh, weather-wise, in Nelson? Pretty good, mate. We've got the All Blacks down here uh, at the moment. Open training session this morning. They had a good crowd there, so... Uh, uh, I couldn't get in there. I was working, but driving past looks like they had a few there, so that was good. Bloody good. Actually, uh, we spoke to Jason Ryan before, and uh, we heard whistles and kids in the background, so hopefully uh, everyone got out of it uh, what they wanted to do, and uh, great that they could uh, take it to Nelson. Couldn't take a game there. I think they haven't been there since they played Argentina some years ago, but mm. <coughs> that was yeah, a great night. Half, uh, half the team at Marco, so uh, <laughs> didn't have to get out of bed and walk far for training. <laughs> well, that would be the same Marcos that um, um, are not playing rugby at this point of the competition. Is that the, the same Marcos, Jamie? 
Yeah, victim of their own success, eh? <laughs> <laughs> let's hope, let's hope, mate, you're, you're not a victim of your own success here, Jamie. What's uh, what are they categories uh, for Jamie this morning, Logan? Love it, I love it. You're warming them up. That's great. All right, the categories for you today, Jamie, are T20 cricket, golf, and the NFL. Take your pick. Oh, we'll go T20. Oh. Uh, yeah, we'll go T20. Yeah, Smithy, leaving present for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think going away for a day. <laughs> <Not going. laughs> Fair, unless you know something I don't know. Yeah, there's the other thing. Uh, <laughs> Rightio, question one. Let's get into this. All right. Yeah, not just yet. You're not, you're not jumping on a plane for the T20 World Cup just yet, but almost. It's so close. I can't wait. First question for you, Jamie. The first ICC T20 World Cup was held in South Africa in 2007. Who won that tournament? Uh, 2007. Uh, go, I don't know, mate. It's Stephen the Arch, Sri Lanka. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, over to you. 2007. Hmm. Don't know for sure. Uh, West Indies. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. West Indies, always a good guess. Uh, the correct answer, India bet Pakistan by five runs. Close one there. Wow. Cliffhanger. Yeah. Okay, India. Fair enough. Second question for you, Jamie. The Black Caps have never won the T20 World Cup. Maybe this year will be different. Well, who knows? But they have finished runners-up. Who did they lose to in that 2021 final? Australia. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. By eight wickets, Smithy. By eight wickets. Yeah, got pounded when it comes to the crunch. You yep, lose one team to in yellow. <laughs> yeah, well, it's yes. true. It's true. It's a nice adage, Jamie. It's a nice adage. We'll see if it comes true with question three. Yeah. We'll see if they're due. We'll see if you're due, Jamie. Or Smithy. We'll see how we go. Which country has won the most T20 World Cups? Safe money's on Australia. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. It pleases me to say it's not Australia. Wow. Okay. So do I go India? I don't think I can go England. I know the West Indies have won it. It won't be Sri Lanka. It won't be Pakistan, I don't think, and it won't. It won't oh, I've got to go India. I just simply have to go India. One of the worst things I have no. ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, Smithy. If you went with uh, what you said earlier, it was the West Indies 2012 and 2016. So. Just two times, but that's enough to be the country that's won it the most. Yeah, they're dangerous, the West Indies. That's a bugger, that. I thought I might have got up there. Um, okay, Jamie, congratulations. Um, you were oh, thank you, wrong, mate. but you you're, you're wrong, but you're right. Have a great weekend yeah. and stay on the line. Brian, as always, will just uh, confirm your details with you and um, we'll get those proceeds to you uh, as, as soon as we possibly can. Uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it, mate. Uh, all the best. Thanks for taking part. Cheers. Uh, Jamie there. Jamie was uh, successful this morning. Yeah, the West Indies, eh? And they are a threat uh, in this particular version. 
because they're just unpredictable, the West Indies. You, you, they're this kind of side you just don't think they're uh, really going to match it with... Um, with the, and, the, and the problem they've got this time around, I guess, is the fact that some of their superstars um, are not playing. Their, their, their top-level T20 players are not part of the squad. Uh, they've decided not to go with them this time around. So, um, you know, your Pollards and your Russells and co, Bravos, not so much there. So that'll hurt them. That'll hurt their um, opportunity to win this. Um, and, and I think it's going to be one of the most even T20 competitions uh, of the whole lot. I can see... Four to five sides with a real chance of winning it. Just a question of uh, on the day. Pakistan, very, very dangerous side, particularly at the top of the order. Um, India are uh, always uh, going to be strong in that regard. Australia at home, um, getting touched up by a side that I think are the favourites at the moment, and that is uh, England, absolute England. And uh, for us, I think uh, we go in as about fifth or sixth favourite uh, in my mind, and that is even after finishing second last time around I just I, I just want to see more batting I just want to see bigger scores from us on a more regular basis and we've still got uh, possibly three opportunities to produce those to give more confidence but as I see it at the moment uh, England Australia India for me it is 11.40 here on SENZ This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ It's the Great Greyhound Race in New Zealand Charity Run. Right, uh, OK, let's uh, look at uh, our Greyhound for charity as well. Uh, that's also for Women's Refuge, of course, and that is uh, Palmerston North tomorrow afternoon at 3.38. It is race three, number five, Thrilling Rogue. Race three, number five, Thrilling Rogue. Um, and that is uh, tomorrow, as I say, at 3.38pm. Right, um, what's on the show tomorrow? What's on the show with the big show, Stephen McIver? The big show, yes, the big show, Stephen McIver. Uh, well, Stephen McIver, being that he loves motorsports, Smithy, uh, MotoGP is at Phillip Island this weekend, so we're going to cross over to the ditch, to Australia, and Simon Crafer, former you know Kiwi superbike star, is a commentator for the MotoGP. So we're going to catch up with him. Okay, that'll be interesting. What else you got lined up? You know. Uh, also, we have Andrew Mulligan, good friend of uh, the show, and and mine personally. Uh, the Breakers are over in Australia as well, playing two games this weekend. One against the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix there at John Kane Arena, who the Phoenix are on a two-game losing streak while the Breakers enjoyed that big win at Spark Arena. So really looking forward to that one. That's always a big test because there's some uh, there's some names there in that Phoenix team, especially when you have the likes of uh, Mitch Creek to deal with. And then, of course, they back that up on Monday night, going down to the Gong Illawarra, taking on the Hawks there. So... Big weekend there for breakers and for the fans alike. So we're going to get Mulz on and uh, see what his read is on the season so far and how the how the team is looking. Okay, um, interesting. Uh, actually, I should have said uh, when we're doing the, the Greyhound Racing, where you can tune into uh, SENZ every Sunday from 12 o'clock it is these days uh, for J- Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed, of course, <coughs> hosted by uh, Rosso, Mark Rosanowski and Dan Roberts. So uh, don't... Uh, don't miss out on that opportunity, uh, courtesy of Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed. 
Um, interesting enough. Okay, what are your picks then? I won't have the chance to ask you tomorrow. Picks for the weekend in terms of the NPC? <laughs> My picks for the week? Well, I mean, I'm I'm very biased being a man from, from the Bay, the Blue and Gold. I, I'm definitely going for the Steamers over Canterbury. I know they're really... Un, you know they're underdogs on the TAB there by a long shot, but I just have a lot of faith and a lot of belief in what Mike Delaney is doing with that team. So hope to see they get up. Uh, and then we, you and uh, Campbell Burns earlier in the show talking about the NPC uh, semi-final between Auckland and Wellington and how Wellington. I know Jamie Wall, if you're listening, I know you think about this a lot too and how much Wellington choke in that sort of environment. Uh, I, I, I want to go Auckland. I'd love to see an Auckland Bay Plenty final personally. I know the pick seems to be Canterbury-Wellington, but I'm, I'm going the other way. That might be at Mount Smart too. They won't be allowed to get to Eden Park because that'll be covered at the moment by um, the Women's Rugby World Cup. So if that was the case, that would be a final, I think, at Mount Smart. <clears throat> Interesting. I'd go the other two. I'd go Wellington and Canterbury. Um, so, the, um, and that would be a final down in uh, Christchurch, I believe. So, <coughs> that's that's the way I'd go. I'm just looking at a headline, seeing uh, with Jesse Ryder always uh, when Jesse Ryder says something or does something, it tends to make a bit of a headline. Uh, he says uh, he should have been given another chance with the Black Caps. Um, he says he wasn't given the chance one once he was back sober and in top form. 38-year-old's international career, which was studded with behavioural problems. Uh, among some outstanding batting displays as well, ended back in January 2014, uh, over eight years ago. But Ryder currently is now in Australia, playing for the New Zealand Men's Indoor Cricket World Cup team. And um, he's looking back saying, there was a period there where I was two years sober and tried to get back in the team and they didn't give me an opportunity. That was my period where I was actually dominating domestic outdoor cricket and I wanted to have one more crack while I had such a good mindset. I felt that I could be one of the top batters in the world, but I didn't get the chance. That's interesting. That's an interesting theory. In my younger years, I was a wild child, but uh, I've chilled out a wee bit. Being in the spotlight wasn't my thing. Outdoor cricket always had a lot of other pressures. The media always got hold of got a hold of me. Uh, it got to the point that I couldn't really be bothered anymore. So um, it's an interesting story, uh, the Jesse Ryder story. Um, very few players I've ever seen had the same hand-eye coordination as Jesse Ryder. He certainly was not an athlete as such. Um, you know, he carried a bit, but boy, could he hit a cricket ball and did he have a great eye. Um, and he was, um, at one stage, hot property. And he looked in the mirror, and uh, whilst he, he's looking at uh, New Zealand cricket selectors there in a little way, uh, he knows he'll look in the mirror and say, it was me, it was my fault. I blew a great opportunity to be a very wealthy young man as well. Um, you know, he was just perfect for IPL cricket and T20 cricket. Absolutely perfect because he could bowl, he could bat, he could field, um, and he could entertain. And um, honestly, he must some days just wake up and think, my God, what an opportunity lost that was. An immense talent um, that uh, went nowhere near being realised, in, in my opinion anyway. Speaking of immense talents, that's what Mark Stafford's got, immense talent. And we'll talk to him very shortly. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91. 